0: Hello, Trojan Faith, Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday—technically a Sunday. It's Sunday night. We're doing another emergency Peristyle podcast. Yes, that's two over the weekend. Uh, we needed to do emergency podcast. USC's one and two getting thumped by Stanford, twenty-seven to ten, up on the farm. We did one with Coach Harvey Hyde on Sunday. I am actually—and this is a little behind-the-scenes disclosure going on here. I had planned a golf day for Monday, and USC's actually practicing on Monday, so I will be missing USC's practice. I won't be able to put up a podcast. I wanted to do a podcast tonight, Sunday night, put it up Monday morning before I go out, just to give you guys a little bit of extra time to vent. We had a lot of questions come in. Hopefully, you heard Coach Harvey Hyde show. Lots of voicemails. We're going to play some more voicemails for you today uh, on this show, um, just to like get the. Get the venting process out there. Let you guys express your anger at what is now the USC football program. Uh, so one and two, zero oh and one in the Pac-12. Short week this week, going to Utah on Friday night. USC fans are not happy. I actually just tweeted out a replay of the post-game press conference, which was in this really tiny room uh, inside, uh, well, outside of the locker room, uh, at Stanford Stadium, the home uh, press conference room was huge. The visitor press conference room was kind of like a closet. Uh, I don't know. They tried to pack like 25 people into a room, and it just was standing room only, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, but I actually had a fr- front row seat. There was only like two rows. But I was right there and got a pretty good video of everything that was going on. on, on our fa- We did it on our Facebook live feed. Uh, you can find it out on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash uscfootball.com spelling out the dot com you can check it out there but we had over 700 facebook comments about the video and as you can imagine they were mostly all negative most of the conference was clay helton so there was a lot of while his face was showing fire him and all this kind of stuff so a lot of negativity uh from the usc fans it is not going well in trojans nation uh people are not happy and it's understandable uh the team has not looked good Outside of the uh, blowout win over Utah State, have scored one touchdown against Power Five opponents. So that's two games against Power Five foes and one touchdown. And of course, it's a it's not an easy schedule. You know, playing Alabama, playing Stanford, two top ten teams. Uh, Utah is coming up next, and they're a really good team. Short week, so. Uh, but I think people are looking at Clay Helton being one and four. Uh, you know, as the permanent, quote-unquote, permanent head coach. Um, And that's not encouraging. So it's not been a good start. You know, the season ended poorly last year. It's beginning poorly this year. And uh, not a lot of relief in sight. You know, with the Utah game, is going to be tough. And then, of course, you're talking, uh, you know, a homestand, a little bit of a homestand, uh, Arizona State and Colorado. And both those teams have looked uh, better. So, it's not going to get any easier for the Trojans. They have to fix some, fix some stuff. We'll see if they're able to do that this week. And uh, we'll go from there. So anyway, so this is a solo podcast. Usually I give my little spiel of where you can write us you know, questions in. So podcast at USAFootball.com is our email address. You guys have sent in a lot of voicemails. All that information is up on peristylepodcast.com. So I will uh, – you can go there if you want to leave us a voicemail. Check it out. Um, it's uh, – it's a busy day, and I wanted to thank uh, our sponsor before we jump in any further, MyBookie.net. Uh, so we're going to talk about this a little bit later on the show, but um, you go in there. I actually went uh, two for three in my picks this week. It's uh, it's free on MyBookie.net, so it's play money. You start with $500 of play money, and you kind of go from there. So my first week wasn't so good. Second week bounced back. So I'm about 500 against the spread so far on MyBookie.net, but I'll tell you guys more about that a little bit later on the show and uh it was um yeah so trip i, I made it up there flew up and actually end up driving back with shotgun Spratling. we were gonna do an emergency podcast in the car but it was just i don't know we were both just kind of chatting and didn't really feel like doing it on the drive back and sometimes the audio quality is kind of crappy on the drive so uh, we did the a, did a show with harvey hyde like i said we're doing this one now um, i'll try to get shotgun on later in the week usually after he puts up his participation chart um, You'll be able to, you know share some insights on that. We'll have Dan Weber on as well. Um, but the uh, we also had the Clay Helton conference call tonight. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit on the show before we get into all of the questions. So um, some of the notes, I guess from that, uh, he talked about how the off- he knew the offensive possessions were going to be limited. They had to make the most of them, and they really shot themselves in the foot. Uh, 0 for 4 on third down in the first half, and uh, seven penalties, uh, a bunch of false starts, only three points, and, and they had some decent drives. And thought he, Clay Hilton said he thought they ran the ball really well. Um, and they had to, on defense, he said they needed to limit the explosive plays, but that didn't happen. Uh, the wheel route, the you know, blown coverage on McCaffrey, uh, there was a misfit, it was funny. He called it a misfit. So the run run fits are basically like where guys are filling in holes to stop the run. So they call them run fits, like it's just a football term. So he said it was a misfit on the uh, one of the Stanford long runs and some poor angles when they blitzed them on a, a third down play. So um, you know they did a good job limiting McCaffrey on special teams, but obviously he got two hundred sixty total yards, mostly from scrimmage on offense. Um, There was, uh, let's see, some other notes. Uh, So we asked about the punting. Um, Why did you punt? So there was under 10 minutes left. USC's in Stanford territory, fourth and six, and down by 17 points, and he punted. And everyone tweeted out at the time, why the heck are they punting? This is a terrible idea. In the press conference after the game, he defended it, saying he wanted to pin them deep. He basically said the same thing again twice on the press in the in the conference call um so I, I just i don't think anyone in the media really kind of bought what he was saying it doesn't make any sense he said he would do it again he said he would punt in that situation again which i think is even worse um once you have some time to think about it there's no reason to punt um you got a score you give scat yeah, for the ball back they don't give up the ball um they they just wind clock so there's a little over nine minutes left or whatever between nine and ten minutes left you're down by three scores. You, you're 4th and 6th in your positive territory. It's not like you're 4th and 15 on your own 20. You're in Stanford territory, 4th and medium. you know you got to pick that up, score, and then you give Stanford the ball back. So that, I think that was a mistake. Um, Sam Darnold, after the game, quoted that some of the players were acting like it was over at halftime. Clay said no, uh, he didn't agree with that. And he said they didn't play like it was over because they came out and drove the ball down the field for a touchdown First drive in the third quarter, which I thought was interesting because I was talking to Sam Darnold, and you know he had said that, and uh, and it was you know it's like if they acted like they were the game was over, they actually played their best game you know coming right out of the half. Now it kind of went downhill from there, but um, you know, you saw the rest. the uh, The players talking about you know a lot of the players told us about that the Stanford defensive linemen were screwing up the cadence and using verbal um, cues and stuff to simulate the snap count, and Clay Helton confirmed that it was illegal. He talked to the referees about it, um, and then USC responded by going to a visual snap count in the second half and only had one penalty after that. So um, he said the distraction wasn't coming from the crowd noise because it was pretty quiet in there. Um, But you're not supposed to simulate the snap count, and they did. So, uh, And that thing, it's like I don't think you can wait till halftime to make an adjustment. I think you've got to do something quicker than that. But that's what was – that's what Clay was kind of talking about there. A um, couple other notes. Talking about Adoree Jackson on offense, um, asked if they need to bring him in. I think Dan Dan Weber asked about that. And Clay basically said, yeah, like they got to do something. Like scoring one touchdown against your, you know, good opponents in two games is not going to cut it. So they'll do whatever they need to do. And and that was in, in response to Adoree Jackson being used more on offense. So, Expect to see him more on offense this week, probably getting some uh, more touches in practice where he doesn't really get any kind of touches in practice. So um, he said that Max Brown performed, uh, competed honorably, uh, but did miss some opportunities I could have hooked up on. Um, he said they got to clean up stuff on offense, uh, especially certain situations. Uh, you know, if you get it to be a one-score game, you got to trust your guys going to be in the right place. And it's on the coaches to put them in the right place and do the thing. So he says, I have a hard time blaming the kids. So taking some of the blame there. Um, yeah, I think that was about it. Oh, uh, injury-wise, Nico Fala uh, dislocated a finger but popped back in and he kept playing. And then Tyler Petit, who was the you know the big play threat at tight end, he had a thigh bruise. But, shouldn't be uh that serious so that's what was kind of going on there on the uh Clay Helton conference call I wanted to go over all of that also um our friend Bruce Feldman had some interesting notes today just saying that USC is a mess right now so in his column um he said this that made him have a double take and I tweeted this out and then we got some arguments on it that Washington State which as you know is a pass-happy team, Luke Falk throws for 500 yards <laughs> regularly. Um, they actually are averaging more yards uh, rushing per game than USC is. So Washington State, 122 rushing yards per game. Tailback U, uh, 120. And he, he called it a mess right now. Now, Washington State played Boise State, but you know they also played a couple of cupcakes, and USC played Alabama and Stanford. But still, Washington State also threw for like a zillion yards. Um, and is rushing for more yards than USC. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's kind of a concern. Um, He also talked about uh, Stanford's radio announcer, Todd Husack, who played in the NFL. Uh, He was a quarterback at Stanford. He made a pretty strong statement during the call of the Stanford-USC game, observing, and this is what Bruce wrote, that in his nine years on the air, he'd never seen such a big coaching discrepancy as he did between David Shaw and his staff and the one led by Helton. He added that the Trojans didn't look prepared or make any in-game adjustments. And it's kind of hard to argue with that. I mean, it looked like one team was well-coached and one team was not. And I talked about this in the Alabama game. Has there ever been a matchup of top five all-time programs and had that matchup on paper, a coaching matchup on paper, been uh, have a bigger discrepancy where you have the, maybe the greatest coach of all time, Nick Saban, and a rookie and Clay Helton, you can argue how good or bad Clay Helton is, but just saying on paper, he's never coached before, and you're going against Nick Saban, so it was like, you know, pretty big mismatch. This Todd Husack is saying this is a mismatch. Like he saw it there, and it was like this is one team that's well coached, and one team that's not, and it's hard to argue uh, with any of that. Honestly, it's just it just is, and you know, it's not. People say, well, hindsight, blah blah blah. I mean, this is when you make a bad decision at a high level. Um, sometimes it doesn't bear out until later on, months later, years later. In this case, it was, you know, if you look back to, um, you know, late 2015 when USC beats UCLA and they instantly announced that Clay Helton's the job, you know, had the permanent job. And we all questioned it. I mean, everybody in the media did like, why are you doing this right now? Why not wait until after the season? Uh, then you got to fire all the assistants and all that kind of stuff. And there was a lot of legitimate questions then. And it all, it makes sense. And, you know, our theory has always been, and uh, and according to our sources, we're right on this, that USC wanted to hire Helton. Hayden wanted to hire Helton. So to, to have the USC fans stomach it, they had to do it at a high point. And the high point was beating UCLA. Now he comes out and says, it's not because we beat UCLA, which is exactly like if you if someone says it's not about the money, what is it about? It's about the money. If you said it's not because we beat UCLA, that's exactly why it was. So it was a, the highest stock moment. If Clay Heldon was a stock, that's when it was its peak. So Padding announces the, the higher then, which is the timing was all weird and off because what would happen if, if USC ended up losing to Stanford like they did and then losing the bowl game, can you still sell that higher to the alumni? He could sell it after the UCLA game. But there's risks in by doing that. And it, it's a mistake to do it then. It was just the wrong time to do it. It's not hindsight. We said it then. We're saying it now. That was the wrong decision. You want to hire him or not, you should have done it then. Um, and now you're here, and it's not hindsight. You hire someone that's never done the job before. These are the kind of results you can expect. And then to not get a, an experienced offensive coordinator, same sort of thing. So I like – I mean, I again, I always say this every time. I love Clay Helton. I think he's great. I mean, we'd love to see him succeed, uh, but it would be kind of more of a hoping he succeed, not based on resume and past results. Same thing with T. Martin. The first play he ever called was against Alabama. Um, You got a rookie head coach. You probably should have an experienced offensive coordinator. USC doesn't have that. They got guys that are learning on the job. And I think one of the things like Clay Helton, he's learning on the job. He should have not punted uh with nine minutes left or more than nine minutes left and you're in positive territory the the big problem here is he didn't admit the mistake the next day he doubled down on it and said no we should do it we want to pin them deep and and it's just that was just wrong that's wrong like it's just not the right decision uh, i don't know anyone that knows about football. everyone i've talked to everyone that's tweeted me called me texted me scouts i mean national Radio host, former players, like no one's agreed with Clay Helton on this. Um, so in that kind of situation, you can say, hey, you know, I, uh, I, you know, in retrospect, we probably should have went for it there. We need to score. I'll, I mean, uh, Stanford's really good at, at taking the air out of the ball and running clock. At that point, we're still in positive territory. It's only fourth and six. We can pick it up easy. We can put, even if we kick a field goal, we're, then it's two scores." uh instead of three um and i think people would have said hey that makes sense you're a rookie head coach you live and you learn but the fact that it's it's like you lived but you didn't learn because you said you would do the same thing again i think that was the most disturbing thing for me okay that was kind of a big intro of what's going on but this is our emergency podcast we got to talk about emergency situations Um, i do want to get to some of these questions and uh We'll do we'll do a voicemail one. We got we got a bunch of those too. So let me play you the first voicemail.
1: Hey, what's up, man? This is Rick from Los Angeles. Um, I'm watching a game right now, and uh, it said USC hopes to be like Stanford one day. What a joke! Clay Helton is a joke. How could you say that? USC has more tradition. Be like Stanford. Man, that drove me up the wall. That pissed me off. Man, Clay Helton is a joke. He's still running Lane Kiffin's offense from like three years ago. He's like Lane Kiffin 3.0 or something. Please, fire Clay Helton and get an elite coach. We need somebody that's going to be able to motivate this team to play. Well, thank you very much. I listen to your show every week, and uh, you guys do a great job. Uh, keep up the great work and fight
0: on. All right, thanks for that question. uh I love the uh, the the pessimism, pessimism, pessimism at the end. Optimism, hey, fight on. um Yeah, okay. So I don't know about Clay I'm being a joke. Like I said, I like the guy. It's not his fault the situation he's in right now. I mean, if if they hired you to you know give you a couple million dollars to be the head coach and you weren't qualified. I would take it. You would take it. I mean, you, you, you take what you can get here in this in this kind of business and, uh, you know, don't begrudge Clay Helton at all for, um, you know, the job he's been doing. Uh, it's just it's just difficult because um, in this situation, you know, his resume didn't match up to the, the job that he was hired for. That's on Pat Hayden. That's not on Clay Helton. Um, yes, the offense. What is the offense? It's it's like Lane Kiffin. 3. It's basically this Kiffin Sark kind of stuff. It's not. It's not that anybody owns it, you know. It's like you want to bring in someone that runs a system, and I've, I've heard people like, "Well, you got to have this. You got to have that." I just you have to have something. It's like if you are on a diet and you stick to it, it's probably going to work. I don't care what the heck the diet is, as long as it's not like an M M&M and M and chocolate syrup diet. If it's something that limits, you know, your intake. And you follow it, you'll probably work. It'll probably lose weight. So this is, But this is kind of like trying a whole bunch of different things as opposed to this is what we do. And the biggest issue I had with the offense, they're trying to run some tempo stuff, and there's all this communication problems. We talked about this in the Harvey Hyde podcast. Um, this, this team should probably just be huddling up. If you're going to have that many communication problems and that many issues where all the linemen aren't on the same page, just huddle up discuss it and then go to the line and go from there and I just I don't know why they're not doing it um, it's kind of like they're doing it because they saw someone else do it it looked cool but it's not like you have this super background in doing it you're just basically copying something else so um, if you want to do the whole spread that you'll know, bring in an expert and have that that does it all the time bring them in and let them run their system where if it's uh, a lot of zone read stuff, Then you need a mobile quarterback for it. Then you bring one. Then you have to recruit that and and change the offense. Um, If it's a power, you know, football with a, you know, under center and a fullback, fine. The way USC has always done it, that's fine too. But something, just kind of have some sort of ownership there. Um, All right. Well, thanks for that voicemail. Let's see. Let's uh, move on. I think we got another voicemail here. Yeah, we do. Okay, let me play this for you.
2: Hello, Ryan. This is uh, Deplorable Dan from Tustin. I am watching the USC-Stanford debacle. My only comment is I've been following this team for pretty close to 56 years. I think it's time we enter the 21st century uh, and hire a real coaching staff, real people, real people that know what they're doing, and get away on these pretenders this is embarrassing actually it's it's more than embarrassing it's it's hard to watch um thank you
0: okay deplorable dan uh nice name there it you know it's hard to argue it is hard to watch um it's not easy and uh you know the poor usc fans that traveled all the way to dallas and all the way to the bay area um, I did that. I got to. <laughs> I got to watch these if I'm working them. But uh, my sister flew out from the east to, from the east coast to check out the game. She was really disappointed. Um, it's. Uh, I, I don't want to call Clay Helton and his staff pretenders. I mean, again, we you know we kind of talked about this, but they at a place like USC, I think you do have to hire experienced people, and I think the administration has been very wary. They just didn't want to. Bring in a staff that would have a lot of power and would make a lot of decisions. You're kind of bringing if you hire someone that's just happy to be there; they're going to go along with the program, go along with the flow. I don't think that's what USC needs right now. You needed to change the culture by hiring from within. You're not changing anything. Uh, yeah, he's more of an adult. He's more of a mature person. He's not going to screw up off the field like you know Kiffin and Sark but you're still not changing the culture at all. You're doing things exactly the same way you were doing before. You fired those two coaches mid-season. Um, and, you know, the way this is going, this, that could happen again. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's the, – but the problem is you went this direction. Pat Hayden went this direction, forced it on the next athletic director who happened to be Lynn Swan. Um, how long are you going to be – in this situation. It's hard to say. Uh, I think the next week is very important. I think if USC starts off one and three, um, the pressure on uh, Lin Swan and the administration uh, to make a change will be great. Now, I don't think they're going to make a change during the year, but it would be about the end of the year, in my opinion, if something happened. But I think you kind of I think if it's a, a meddling, kind of middle-of-the-road sort of thing, then probably not. But if USC loses to Utah, you're 1-3, in he's 1-5 in as the permanent head coach, there's going to be a lot of You're trying to raise money for the Coliseum. There's going to be a lot of calls. Um, there's going to be a lot of issues with that. USC, you know, I think there'll be a lot of pressure. Um, but the, the other problem is USC went out and hired an athletic director who's never done that job before. So we have no idea, is Lin Swan going to step up and say, hey, I'm putting my stamp on things. I'm not letting this go on anymore like this. Or is he going to be, I'm, you know, I'm getting my feet wet. i got to learn uh, as this goes and, and moving along. Um, I I don't know. We just don't know what Lin Swan uh, is going to be doing. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. It's, um, it's, it's very interesting for sure. Okay, I think we have... Let's see. We have okay. Yeah, we have a, another voicemail question. I'll play these voicemail questions first. Here you go.
2: Hey guys, this is Daniel uh, out of Los Angeles. Uh, this is a statement for Ryan, Dan, Coach, uh, whomever. It seems uh, seems like uh, everyone talks about the sanctions that USC was on. I would just like to say that I believe the only sanction that USC has right now is its coaching staff and the inability to hire coaching staff that can coach these five- and four-star kids up to their potential. USC is going to always be on sanctions as long as they keep hiring brand-new head coaches. It seems as if USC has the only coach that's never been a head coach in the Pac-12. Even for the schools that probably are not doing so well in the Pac-12, at least they have the common sense to hire a coach that has been a head coach before at least, Um, you know, common sense is not common, like my grandmother says. All right, guys, good job. Uh, Maybe next year USC will have a a good team,
0: (laughs) hopefully. Common sense is not common. I like that. Uh, Your grandmother has a good saying there. Um, Yeah, I'd have to go up and down, but I'm just thinking of all the coaches in the Pac-12. I think USC is the only program that hired a coach that's never been a head coach before. Uh, just off the top of my head i can't think of anyone um that has but uh yeah like you know mike mcintyre yeah mcintyre at at colorado yeah i think everybody i mean i'm pretty sure everybody so oh no david shaw david shaw was probably first time um so i'd have to i'd have to go back and think about that you can write me in and, and let me know but um okay so the other thing was the assistant coach thing people talk about that well jk John mckay was an assistant and blah 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 so here's the whole thing with the assistant thing you wanted to be if you hire an assistant it should be a very successful assistant working for a successful head coach clay helton was not working for a successful head coach he was working for two head coaches that were fired mid-season so you know when you hire tom herman at houston it wasn't because he worked for a head coach that uh, was terrible. He was working for Urban Meyer. Um, makes sense. You know, winning a national championship, hire that guy, not hire the assistant from a, a losing program and a dysfunctional program. That's what you're doing. That's the big thing. And people try to compare. Well, Pete Carroll struggled his first year. It's like, come on, guys. Like, that's just it's just night and day. You just can't go along thinking that way. Um, there wasn't anything on Clay Elton's resume besides he already was at USC. Like, that's why he was hired. He was at USC. Is that a reason to be hired? No. Now, he's great. He's a great person. I think he won people over with his personality, which I think is part of the coaching job for sure. But you net you didn't see the on the field stuff, the leadership stuff. You don't know anything about that. And if you want to hire him at Houston to to learn and, and take a chance, that that's when you take the chances there. You go to Houston or you go to Memphis or something like that. You don't do that at USC. Um, and they did. And now you're kind of seeing the results there. <sighs> yeah. So, uh oh, and the whole sanctions thing, that's what the the beginning part of the uh, question was. Yeah, USC's office sanctions. I'm not, you know, sanctions are not an excuse anymore. If you go up and down USC's roster, not that recruiting rankings are everything, but four and five star dudes all over it. It's above 80 players on scholarship um that are re- they're recruited, 85 total, but they they dropped a couple but um it's uh it's legit. The 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 roster's legit. It's maybe you could, you know, spread it around a little bit more. I don't buy the sanctions argument anymore. It's not to me this is not about talent. This is about coaching. If you want to talk about sanctions, you're really just making excuses and I think the sanctions are um, self-imposed at this point by hirings decisions. Self-imposed the decisions you're making at the highest level are the sanctions, not what the NCAA handed down uh, six years ago. Okay, I think we got one more voicemail question, and I'm going to start going through emails. Here
3: we go. Hello, Ryan. Don from Upland, California. My comment is going to be very harsh towards the Trojan football scene on both sides of the ball. First of all, i like to say USC needs to stop recruiting these five-star offensive linemen who can't block worth a damn. They throw more lookout blocks in the game than Carter got a liver pill, meaning as soon as the ball's hiked, they turn around and look at the quarterback and say, look out. Also, lookout blocks for the halfback. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, I see more blown assignments, such as that touchdown pass that McCaffrey made, and also... I looked at their tackling, which is terrible. They let McCaffrey get three, five, six, seven yards without wrapping him up. Ryan doesn't look good for the USC Trojans. Not this year anyway. Don from Upland, California.
0: Hey, Don, thanks for writing in. Obviously, you're not real happy right now. I like the lookout blocks um you know I think the offensive line is starting to play a little bit better really the communication things uh less I think there have been less physical beats there's still some um but you know too many communication errors we talked about that being maybe just need to huddle up and and try to get things right um uh, on uh you know McCaffrey getting six seven eight yards like that's not terrible I mean he's a you know heisman trophy finalist He's a stud. You can't let him go wide open on the wheel routes and things like that. Again, that's more communication breakdown. But overall, defensively, if you say you're going to give up 27 points to Stanford, like, you'd probably take that, right? I mean, do you think your offense can score a touchdown a quarter, not one touchdown in two games? Um, that's, that's really kind of where you are. Like, you know, giving up 27 to Stanford's, it's not, you know, it's not amazing, but it's not, like, awful, awful terrible. Um, you should be able to try to score four touchdowns a game. I think that's probably fairly reasonable. So, um, yeah, Don, uh, obviously not real happy. You're not alone uh, among the USC fans. Okay, so we have – it's funny. Uh, so we got a lot of uh, emails, and I've just – there's been so many uh, in my inbox, and it's like the more I, you know, I go through a few of them um, and then – uh, let's see, so go through a few of these, more of them come in the inbox, they just keep kind of piling up, so I thought I would go through uh, my inbox myself, and just kind of, um, just kind of answer these, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll go through some of these questions, and just on the fly, um, if they're not specifically for like Dan or anything, and we'll just, I'll just go through my inbox, and, and we'll talk about these, all right, so Paul wrote in, he said, Hi, Ryan. Thanks for doing what you do and doing it well. Stanford game was another embarrassment, outsmarted and overpowered again. The offensive line played sloppy as a whole. I thought Justin Davis ran too upright and soft. Chris Hawkins seems to always be out of position and looks scared as a tackler. You watch the practices. What, in your opinion, are the coaches doing wrong? Do they just need time for their ideas to catch on? Can another coach come in and turn things around in his first season? Thanks again and fight on, Paul. Um Okay, Paul, yeah. I mean, I'm a big philosophy guy. I'm a big system guy. I don't think, I think you hired some coaches that don't come in with some great philosophy to have a system that's proven and worked in time and time again. I think you need a proven system and I don't see one here. Do I think you could bring in another coach? If you took David Shaw with this roster, would they play better? Yes, I I just think they would. Um, But it's, uh, you know, you're talking about a head coach that's, five games into his tenure you know as the permanent head coach um, so is a change going to be made I, I mean I, I wouldn't think so but who the heck knows it's a, it, you know, it's always crazy around USC and now that the team is going south it's going to get even crazier so but yeah I, I do agree I think there's it's a coaching thing uh, it's just a lack of identity a lack of a system there's much more of a system on defense now with Clancy Pendergast it's got some problems but it's I, I like it a lot better than what I'm seeing on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Christian wrote in, uh, could USC pull off contacting and hiring Art Bryles as next season's offensive coordinator and contacting and hiring Bo Davis as a defensive line coach but keeping uh, but keeping Coach uh, KU under Bob Davis? Thank you. Fight on, Chris. Okay, Um you've seen what USC does as far as hiring goes, right? Are you think they're going to try to bring in Fort Baylor's former head coach that, you know, was fired under all those weird circumstances. I don't think that, I don't, I mean, that's a pipe dream. Um, it would be great to have someone like that. That's a guy that has a system. You bring in an Art Briles to run the offense. Like, Hey, you feel pretty darn good about what the offense is doing. It's got an identity. Here's what we do. Boom. You do it. Well, um, yeah. I, now, will there be some assistant coaching turnover, Chris? I think there very well could be. Uh, I think there's going to have to be – the more USC keeps losing, something has to change. And right now, like, the roster's not changing, obviously. Uh, the depth chart hasn't changed. Um, I don't think there's a point where Lynn Swan or anyone in the administration would force a change on the staff – but if it keeps going south, then something has to change that way. Could it be Clay Hilton takes over as the play caller or a coach gets fired or they bring in a special consultant? Yeah, it could. It's not going to be at Art Briles or anything like that, but that could be the next thing. And I think what you do as the head coach, you're not you're resistant to that change because this is what you put together. You want to have a chance to make it work. So it'll have to be some sort of outside pressure for him to start making some changes the last change he wants to make is obviously himself so there'll be other changes below him if he's forced to make those or you know if he comes to the realization that hey i want to keep this job i need to make these changes but usually you've just made all these choices you know eight months ago you want time you want them to play out you want them to show people hey it was the right choice um so yeah chris buckle up should be an interesting ride Uh, Let's see, we got uh, Courtney, Courtney Booker. Uh, On that pass, number 77 went over the line of scrimmage as he was holding Stevie Tuikolovatu. These Pac-12 officials are a joke. That should have been two penalties negating the touchdown and Stevie Tuikolovatu was tackled on Rector's reverse. Two of Stanford's touchdowns should have never happened. Um, Yeah, there was definitely some questionable stuff on the officiating. But I mean, when you I think you can complain about the officiating when it's closer. Um so say two touchdowns never happened, Stanford still wins. Like USC made enough mistakes on their side that it wasn't close, which then you can overlook um Michael Pittman getting blocked into Christian McCaffrey and getting a penalty or uh Tyler Petite or um uh Juju Smith-Schuster being um, uh, held or whatever in the end zone, pass interference. So if it's a closer game, you can kind of look at those and they make a difference. But USC made so many mistakes on their side, uh, I just don't know. It's hard to talk about officiating when USC just screwed up so much on their own. Um, We have Ivan in Atlanta. Is there even a remote possibility that USC would hire a good offensive-minded coach like Art Bryles as a consultant? Alabama hired Sark when they didn't need to. We clearly need some direction there. Way too early, but would USC even consider Bryles as a head coach after that Baylor disaster? Okay, we talked about this, Ivan. No. Um, The offensive consultant would be kind of interesting because then you're not hiring him as a coach. Art Bryles wants to get back into coaching he was you know, defiant at first, but then has come back. And you see some of his statements recently in his interviews where now he's being more contrite and he's apologetic. So that's obviously someone telling him, hey, you need to remake your image. And, uh, and, and if you want to get back into coaching, here's what you got to do. So that would be interesting. But he'd be such a big presence. Would someone, a rookie head coach, feel comfortable having him on staff? Um, just like when Sark uh, was hired, did you want would he want Orgeron on staff, someone that everyone loved in this huge presence? Um, no, I don't think he would have. Uh, would Helton want someone like that? Probably not. Would it help him? Would it help the offense? Could he come in and make a bunch of changes and have it work? Yes. Uh, so, so for that reason, I don't think it'll happen. Let's see. We got one. No one even signed this one. It just says from Yahoo. Uh, why is USC enamored with Davis at running back? Rojo needs the reps. If SC loses Thursday night, that will be the will that be the end of Helton. Okay, few things wrong with this email. One, you didn't sign it. Two, they play Friday, not Thursday. Uh, so no, that won't be the end of Helton. Um, Justin Davis has been is the leading rusher. He's been their best all-around back. Ronald Johnson has the explosiveness. Um, Ronald Johnson's had one big play. Uh, that's about it. There, I mean, there just hasn't been a lot of huge plays in the running game. I thought they run the b- ball okay, but um, you know, not great. Uh, I don't think it's like, oh, if you put Ronald Johnson in, that fixes all of the offensive woes. It's just not. It's, it's not the case. It's the same thing with the quarterback. Like people argue, oh, this should be him. It's just, this is a bigger problem. Uh, bigger problem than what you're seeing. Uh, you know, if by swapping out a running back or uh, swapping out the quarterback will completely fix the offense. I just don't buy that at all. All right. Um, man, we got so many more questions. I'll do a few more. My voice is going out on me, but hopefully this is uh, give you a better sense of uh, what's going on. Dan, class of 1962, said, uh, it's said that when you rotate two quarterbacks, it's like having no quarterback. Wouldn't the same hold true for the offensive coordinator position? It looks like USC has had a three-headed monster with Clay, Tyson, and T. In the Stanford game, from series to series, they ran different schemes and basically had no consistency on offense. Who's calling the running plays with the tight line that was opening holes for Davis and Jones, as well as passing to the tight end? That person should be the OC and jettison the other two. Please tell us who is calling what schemes. If there's a hybrid, uh, it is proving worthless. If T can't do it, let Tyson or himself call the plays, period. Um Thanks, fight on, Dan, class of 1962. Yeah, as far as we know, it's all T. Martin calling the plays, but I think it's, like you said, behind the scenes. It's not just about who picks what play. It's about putting all the, the stuff in there, and I think you got three people making input, and uh, I think you're exactly right. There's not a consistent message. There's not a consistent um, scheme or theme, and uh, I think that's a problem, and I think there was a mistake not bringing in an outside offensive coordinator, and you're seeing... Why I thought it was a mistake then, because it's the offenses that are working right now. Uh, let's go old school SC. This is kind of long. He said, I understand. Uh, well, he said first in the, in the subject. I love when the, the email starts in the subject. So you start typing and then just keep going. Um, note a lot of punctuation. Is it statistically possible to run 47 running plays and not have one holding penalty? I understand the loss falls on the coaching staff, but the refs have bias against USC. I don't know if they have bias against USC, to be honest, man. I, I just think they're incompetent. Uh, has someone ever done a statistical analysis of calls against USC compared to their opponents, specifically Stanford? Uh, in that analysis, missed calls would also have to be listed. A graduate student at USC in stats uh, should do this as a thesis. Uh, back in the Pete Carroll days, uh, when Pete Carroll was rolling, and I think this was this was on purpose, it was more of a, socialist kind of model where you're trying to keep everybody even. Uh, USC was the most penalized team, and USC's opponents were the least. I don't think you're seeing anything like that now, but I think you get reputations where Stanford has a great reputation for uh, offensive linemen, and if there's some holding or something, that'll get overlooked a little bit more uh, than other spots. But I don't think it's some uh, witch hunt against USC. Kinda of like it was when the Pete Carroll they, there was a reason to because USC was dominating everybody. Um, that was a statistical anomaly where you are the most penalized team and whoever your opponent is is the least, that was something that was uh that was legit. Um now I think it's just more incompetence. Um so he says, How does the Stanford defensive lineman line up off sides the whole game and there's not one call? How does the Stanford defensive lineman simulate our snap count and the refs call nothing? How does Stanford offensive lineman leave line of scrimmage prior to the snap on almost every play, and it's not called? An NFL scout called this out some time ago. Stanford lineman struggle in the NFL. For our Pat Hayden-selected staff, how do you not have someone shadow McCaffrey? He's only 50% of their offense. He's actually more than that. Um, I thought we were playing one gap, and yet I saw no one on the other side of Stanford's line of scrimmage. Kind of hard to guess when you're being held. This is Pat Hayden's mess, but I guess – we are winning the right way i really feel for the kids the staff is letting them down old school sc yeah some interesting points there definitely i think there were some penalties that weren't called but like i said before i don't think that's why usc lost uh eric and duck country do you think the coaches have lost these players how long until the offense has turned over to sam darnold i'm sorry to say but things continue like this help will have no choice but to get rid of t martin Open up the checkbook and steal Tim Drevno. I also see him as a great head coaching candidate if things don't change. Thanks for all your hard work, Eric at Duck Country. Eric, you're all over the place. Uh, Terrible idea to hire Tim Drevno as the next head coach. I mean, do you you don't learn anything? Like, no. Hire an experienced head coach. Like, you should stop your email before that. That was just – that wasn't smart, Eric. That's not – he's not a good head coaching candidate. Okay? No. Um. Maybe for someplace else, not at USC, not the way USC's been going. No more assistants that have never proven it before. Like you got to learn something. You hire an experienced guy. That's what you're doing. No diamond in the rough. No trying to. You know, no stone and turn trying to f- find a crazy out of the way candidate, who Tim Drevno would be. You get the big glossy diamond that's in the corner case at Tiffany's, the one that everyone knows about that you want to hire, not someone that you're the diamond in the rough. Okay go back to the question uh Sam Darnold could definitely take over the offense at some point I don't know I mean that could be one of the scapegoat things if USC continues to go downhill you got to make a change that's another change that could be made he could switch starting quarterbacks I don't think that would matter at all at this point it's more of the offensive scheme to me than anything else um T Martin could be you know on the chopping block at some point if things get really bad too like I said he'll have to make changes around him before he makes you know, changes, obviously, you know, to the head coach. So he would, there would be sacrificial lambs and Max Brown and T. Martin, fair or not, could end up being those if USC keeps going downhill. And the, the, the most important part of your question was, do you think the coaches have lost these players? I didn't sense that after the Stanford game. I didn't sense that they were lost. But you go and lose another one and you start off one and three, all that hard work you put in the off season. Uh, does it look like it's for nothing? All the, the the lessons that coaches have taught you and philosophies and everything that they told you, here's why we're doing these things. You lose, do you lose faith? And do these guys even know what they're talking about? So I think you're, the, the further along this goes and more losses mount up, the more risk there is of losing the players. But I didn't get the sense of that after the Stanford game. Now, you got to be behind closed doors, you know? And, uh, you know, we're... We weren't in the locker room, so, you know. Just kind of talking to the guys coming out of it. But you're starting to see some some chicks in the armor, you know. And, and Sam Darnold saying that it ever looked like they were, uh, you know, after the you know at halftime it looked like a lot of the guys had given up and they had lost. Um, you're starting to hear a certain players say certain things. So starting to get there, Eric. But I don't think it's there yet. Uh, let's do a couple more. Neil in Manila. We like the uh, international questions. Do you guys think the coaching staff should uh, slightly the playbook? Uh, I think he means modify the playbook, um, play calling, and the system to adjust to the skill set of the players. It's obvious that the players are fit for a pro-style offense, but they're running a spread offense with these senseless zone reads. Props to actually throwing the tight end, though. Yeah, I like that they threw the ball at tight end a few, little bit. Uh, the first big one was Max Brown scrambling. I don't think it was designed to go there, but he scrambled, was getting chased. And found Tyler Petit down the field. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's if it, You got pro style guys, and you are running a zone read. And the most baffling thing is uh, when they let Sam Darnold come in, they put him under center, where he's the guy you want in the shotgun or the pistol, because he is a threat to run. He can run the zone read, and they put him under center. It just Neil it just doesn't make sense. Like the it it it's just it's baffling. I am not sure why they're doing a lot of the things they're doing. And like Dan likes to say, it's a lot it's a lot grab baggy, you know, it's just like a little of this, little of that, not some uh, proven scientific philosophy that you know where they're going with it. Um, Ron in uh, Boyton uh, I think it's Boynton Beach, Florida says, I cannot believe that we're facing another lackluster season of disappointment, frustration, and embarrassment. I don't know if you're facing it like you're in the middle of it, to be honest, Ron. Uh, at this rate, we'll be facing another coaching change at the end of the season, which will result in more uncertainty and disruption. Now, I disagree with that. You can hire a good head coach and turn things around quickly. USC just hasn't been doing that. They've been hiring unproven guys. Um, you bring in like a Tom Herman, I think there's enough talent on the roster that things are gonna. you're winning pretty quickly. You saw what he did at Houston in one year. Um I'm convinced he could do the same thing at USC. It's not like the cupboard is bare. Uh, It pains me to think that this was all the result of the NCAA witch hunt and an athletic director who thought he knew more than everyone else. Uh, Fairly true. I think the NCAA hurt, but then USC hurt itself since then with you're talking about the athletic director. I don't think Pat Hayden did the football program any favors. And, uh, you know, the biggest problem being hiring an inexperienced head coach and then leaving. I can only hope the next coaching search will be conducted professionally and with the best interest of the program in mind. I mean, that sounds silly, right? Like, that the coaching search should be professional and with the best interest of the program in mind. You would, I, I think a lot of USC fans assumed that was the case. Like, obviously, they're going to do it in a professional way, and they, they're thinking of the program, and, and I don't believe that was the case at all. And you just think, well, why wouldn't it be? Well, there's people that have agendas and they want to do certain things. They want to hold certain powers. And do you want to bring in a Pete Carroll again who runs things his way, wins a lot of games, but running it his way? Or do you want someone that you can control? And I think the administration wanted someone they could control. Obviously, you get a Clay Helton and you can control him. Um, Thanks for all you do. Fight on, Ron. Um, Yeah, Ron. I I guess I gave you my thoughts as I was reading the whole question. So... Yes, they should. The next coaching search should be done professionally, and with the best interest of the program, winning football games being first in mind. All right. Uh, okay, I think you know. There's just been so many. I'll do one more. Okay, this is TJ in Florida. Love the podcast. And appreciate all the hard work you guys do for us fans. Uh, it's pretty clear the offense doesn't seem to have an identity. They do not. Have conviction about what works and sticking to it. Stanford is a perfect example of a team with a great identity. They grind you down in the trenches and run you to death, mix in a couple of play actions, simple wheel routes and reverses, and they smoked us. They don't deviate from what works. Coach Shaw has conviction about what he wants to accomplish. Coach uh, Clay Hilton, on the other hand, does not. Uh, we look different on every possession. If you're a first-time head coach, especially someone who's learned under two failures, who do not establish any sort of successful identity here, he must know that. Wouldn't it have been smarter to go out and find an offensive coordinator with proper experience and head out, instead of promoting someone with zero experience calling plays? Because that's exactly what it looks like out there. A head coach with an offensive coordinator with no experience is not a recipe for success. Try to stay positive, but it's hard to watch. Thanks, Ryan. Fight on from Florida. Okay, TJ, I mean, I pretty much said everything you said in your email. It was perfect. Uh, it was awesome. I think it's a great way to end the show. You're exactly right. I don't disagree with a single word uh, that you wrote in there. So, thanks TJ for those thoughts. And um, Yeah, so we got a bunch more questions. We'll have Dan on this week. Again, I apologize. I'm going to be out on Monday so I wanted to record this on Sunday night. I'll put it up Monday morning for you guys. And we'll get Dan on Tuesday. It's a short week around USC um, because of the game on Friday. So, we got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of practice, move, I mean, a lot of the stuff from practice has moved up a day. So uh, Monday's Tuesday practice will now be on Monday. Uh, Wednesday's practice will now be on Tuesday, and so on. And they'll travel a day early. Uh, we'll have our conference call with Clay Helton on Saturday instead of Sunday. So everything's just kind of moved up a day. Um, and as I'm talking, I'm getting more questions into the, the email box. I didn't get through all of them. There's still more in there. Uh, they'll keep coming in. We'll get Dan on there. And I'm uh, sorry, I took this long. I wanted to uh, thank our sponsor, again, MyBookie.net for sponsoring the show uh, this month. They've been doing a great job with us. I've, so I've gone on. So what you do is go to MyBookie.net and uh, you sign up, use the promo code Trojan. So it's free. This is a non-pay uh, site. It's a free site. Um, but you go in there and you get $500 of bucks. And then I just make bets. I've just made a few bets every week for like 100 bucks a piece. And, uh, for, you know, the free bucks. And I think, I, yeah, I, went, I only got one out of three my first week. I got two out of three the next. So I've been about even. Uh, but it's kind of fun. to so go in there and check it out. So mybookie.net, chromo code Trojans, or call one 2387 and they will hook you up. Let me know how you, you like it. It's fun. You can do uh, bets during the games. Uh, even if the game's already kicked off. But it's football season. You want to get into a little action, mybookie.net's a great way to do it. So I've been doing it. I'll keep doing it this week. i got to figure out what my bets are going to be, but having some fun with it. So and I like keeping track of uh, where I'm going. All right. Well, that's our show. That's uh, our emergency podcast number two. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we'll have Dan Weber on. I think we'll have Shotgun on. Lots of shows this week. Maybe try to get a, a special guest or two. Who knows, man? But lots of lots of crazy stuff going on. We wanted to let you vent, uh, let you get your opinions out there so we could talk about them, let other people hear them. Make sure you go to the uscfootball.com message boards. Those are crazy right now. Uh, lots of people on there signing, you know, sounding off of everything that's going on with this USC football program. But hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.